0: say welcome to everybody who is here. Welcome to all of you previewing the new cafe service in the youth room. We love you. God bless you. Thank you for being here. If it's your first time at Woodward Baptist Church, welcome to you. My name is Tim Harris. I'm the pastor and delighted to welcome you guys to worship. Welcome to you. Everyone turn, open your Bibles to the book of 1 Peter chapter 4. This is the final message in a series entitled Charismata. Charismata means... Spiritual gifts, spiritual gifts, that's the New Testament word for spiritual gifts. Very literally, the word charismata means grace gifts. It comes from the word for grace. So if you can wrap your head around it at all, what we're saying is that a part of the grace that you receive when you come to Christ for salvation, a part of that grace comes in the form of a spiritual gift, or we've been saying a job. If the language of gift confuses you, if it makes you feel like we're only talking to gifted and talented people, then just think of your spiritual gift as a job, a divine job that is assigned to you by the Holy Spirit for the good of others. It's a divine job with a time limit, with the time limit. Time limits make all the difference in the world, but when I was a kid, uh, went to a little bitty bitty Baptist church in Franklin, and we were all just redneck Baptist. I was this little bitty short pudgy Baptist dork kid, and uh, never went anywhere, never did anything, but our church about maybe once a year would have a skating party at at the old skating rink, and I'm telling you, it, it was just one of the biggest nights of my year. I mean, I was a little... You know, dumb, pudgy Baptist kid. Uh, y'all know I, I have no athletic ability whatsoever, but, but, but I am a beast on roller skates. I, I mean, an absolute crazy beast. And so this is my night to just bust out and be awesome. I understand, just little pudgy Baptist dummy, but, but on wheels, I'm, I'm a dummy on wheels. Understand, it's, it's, it's amazing. So we go to the skating rink. It, it was my night. Um, skating rink, skating parties are fun. Again, for a little kid like me, I didn't have a whole lot of, of, of moves for girls. I, I was kind of that, that kid. Uh, but at the skating rink, they make it easy because they say, they turn out the lights and say, this next skate is a couple skate. Yeah. And so then all of a sudden, all the church girls are walking around looking for a guy. And, and I'm telling you, it doesn't matter who you are, what shape you are. If you can stand up on skates, you can get a girl to skate with you. It is a dream come true for a guy like me. So it's all about couple skate. Then eventually in the night, man, again, I'm kind of a kid that didn't move much. And so I would end up with just these awful blisters by about song two, uh, feet full of blisters. So then I would just gravitate back to the snack booth. But because, I mean, that's, I mean, again, we never had pizza and corn dogs and stuff like that at home, so, I mean, I just pig out on pizza, three slices of pizza corn dogs, and then go over and play video games, play Space Invaders back in the day. I would just kind of loaf around. I mean, this was a big night for my life, but then, sometime after, you know, my legs are tired, I'm thinking I'm I'm done and and I've kind of laid back and given up on skating. Then the announcer comes on the microphone and says, this next skate is the last skate. At the end of this skate, everybody take your skates and put them back in the bins on the wall. Have a good evening, everybody. Last skate. Now, when I would hear the words, last skate, something in me would just freak out, It just turn on. It's the last skate, you understand? I live for this night. This is the biggest night of my life. This is the night where I could skate with a girl and have pizza, it's now the last skate. And listen, back in the day, the last skating song was always Barracuda. Did you remember? It was, it was Barracuda. The last skating song was the best skating song of all. It was, y- y'all know Barracuda, right? It's, a, dun, 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 dun. it's, it's that bass line. Dun, dun, dun. Gee, it, it's awesome. You got me solo in the weeds. You know, got me down, 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 down on my knees. Ooh, Barracuda. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, it's so good. And here's the thing. If, if you missed this part, let me educate you. In Barracuda, the key is to skate to the beat. So it's just like dun da da dun da dun. da da So I'm this little, you know, Baptist pudge. And it's dun da 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 And you skate by the girls in the last skate so they know what they're going to be missing when the night's over. You understand? Yeah, Barracuda. Yeah. Absolutely, dork on wheels. Absolutely. But it's just amazing to know last skate. In other words, tomorrow, won't be skating. It's amazing how a time limit motivates us. It's amazing how a time limit sort of snaps everything back to focus, and you remember why you're there in the first place, to skate. And it's interesting because the passage that we're looking at today, it actually begins by reminding you that there's a time limit. If we're talking about your charismata, talking about your purpose, your gift in life, understand it comes with a with a time limit. Read with me. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7. The end of the world is coming soon, therefore. Okay, you ready? The end of the world is coming soon, therefore. Be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. God has given each of you a gift, a a charismata. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of charismata. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever Everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. You understand that's the goal of your life, right? You, you know that, right? Uh, I'm not supposed to know about these things because I'm a Baptist preacher, but, um, but in Florida they race dogs. Uh, if you've ever been out to the greyhound race tracks, uh, I'm not inviting you to go. Uh, I'm just letting you know they're there. Um, interesting. I, I've been one time. I didn't bet. Um, the, uh, the dogs are beautiful dogs. Those big, beautiful greyhound dogs are, are just amazing. Uh, these, these dogs are professional athletic dogs. They do this night after night after night. And, and if you've ever been, the dogs are in a starting gate, just like the Kentucky Derby or something. But, but, but then when, when the gate drops, uh, they have this electric rabbit that's on a stick. And the electric rabbit sort of moves out in front of the dogs because the dogs chase the rabbit. That's what the race is about. So this electric rabbit is out there on the end of a stick, and it just starts moving on this track. And it flies, flies around that track, and the dogs chase it. And, and, and I've just educated you all in dog racing. That, that That's what it's about. But, but there was one particular night in Daytona. There was a favorite dog. Her name was Clear Mary, and and everybody knew Clear Mary. She was a very, very smart dog and a champion dog. And that particular night, she was the favorite. She was typically the favorite. And lots of people, not the Baptists, but lots of people had bet money that night on on Clear Mary that she would win the race. And so it was a big race. And and the moment came, Clear Mary was in the gate with all the other dogs, just like they were night after night after night. And, And the gate dropped, and that electric rabbit took off. And all the dogs just took off Well, Clear Mary was leading the way. And all of a sudden, Clear Mary did something she had never done before. She just stopped. Right in the middle of the track, in the middle of a race. Actually, it was before the first quarter turn. She just stopped. And all the other dogs, you know, you know, sort of butt behind her. Then they passed her. And Clear Mary for a moment looked at all those other dogs, you know, backsides as they plowed on down the track. And, and she looked at that electric rabbit, which she had been chasing her whole life. And then they said, Clear Mary, look to the other side of the track. Now at this point, people in the audience are screaming, Dumb dog, Clear Mary, go, go. Because a lot of people had a lot of money riding on Clear Mary that night. But she just looked across. And she looked at that rabbit, and she looked at the other side of that track, and she did something amazing. She just hopped the fence, went through the infield, hopped the fence again, and caught the rabbit. (laughs) Caught the rabbit. She got all of it. (laughs) She got it. She ripped it off the stick. And what did she have? (laughs) A a, a mouth full of sawdust and and a a daggum electric rabbit. You know, that must have been what she thought. You understand? It's what she had chased her entire life, only to find out in the end it's an electric rabbit stuffed with sawdust. I want you to think about that because, in one way or, or, or another, this passage is intended to make you look up from your life for a moment. Think of yourself as in in a race, sort of like Clear Mary, and really stop right here in the middle of the course, if you will, right in the middle of the track, and just look for a minute at what you're chasing. Some of us lately have been listening to Craig Rochelle in in his Causon series, and you remember how he started the whole message series. He said, Most people end up somewhere, but very few people end up somewhere on purpose. Very few people end up somewhere. Purpose. We're talking about purpose. So I guess the question is, what is it that you're chasing with your life? And if you actually somehow tonight magically were to catch it, what would you have? Would it be worth all of the strength and energy that you put into this thing? What is it that you're chasing? What is your life about and what is it that we could do that could possibly make things snap into focus and and motivate you finally and ultimately to chase after what God intends you chase after? You see, that's the hard part. And in all of these conversations about spiritual gifts, about your divine job, this is where some of us still come up short. We still would say, Brother Tim, I really don't know what my job is. I really don't know what my gifts are. I'm clueless. I I just don't know. But understand, the Scripture assumes that you can know. It's not supposed to be this mysterious, mysterious secret hidden from you. You should know you cannot be ignorant of these things, Paul says, and you can't possibly neglect your spiritual gift. The assumption is this is not something that's going to be difficult to find or fulfill. This is why you were born. It's why you were born. Your spiritual gift is something that the Holy Spirit has has hidden inside your life for sure, but he didn't hide it somewhere impossible to find. He hid it in plain sight. Your spiritual gift, your divine job is just actually stuck right there in the middle of your heart, right next to the place where everything that brings you great joy is found. Do you understand? God puts that spiritual gift in that place in your heart where, where deep joy is found. So, so very truly, when you begin to, to live your life in the purpose that God created you for, when you begin to live and move in that area of, of what the Bible calls your giftedness, when you are actually doing the job God created you to do, then you find real joy. It's in that place in your life where you find your deepest joy. But more than that, it's the place where your deepest joy begins to meet the greatest needs of the world around you. You understand, spiritual gifts are always connected to the needs of others. We've been saying that now for weeks, that that you can continue to try to focus on discovering your gifts, but maybe if you just stopped looking for your gift and just started focusing on what other people need, and then you just go after meeting the needs of others, I guarantee you, you will discover your gifts in the needs of others. And this is what I'm saying. The Holy Spirit puts us together in such a way so that when I'm operating in my place of giftedness, my greatest joys are are, are met in a place with your deepest needs, and we're bound together as a body of Christ. It's a beautiful thing. Oh, Brother Tim, that sounds beautiful and all, but I, 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 I still just don't know what my gift will be, don't know what my purpose is. Uh, okay, Peter makes it really simple, he re, really simple. Part of what he does for us, for one thing, is remind us of the time limit. You, you do have a spiritual gift, we all do. You have a divine job, but you don't have all the time in the world. There's, there's a time limit here, and there's something about a time limit. It tends to make us focus. It tends to make us remember, oh, 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 yeah, that's why I'm here. And it makes you realize that you've really got to get a job done here. And this is what Peter is trying to make you understand. The end of all things is upon us, he says. That's how he begins. The, the end of all things. This is last skate, people. This is last skate. And it's really time to get with it. And, and then he goes on. And the amazing thing is, he says, the end of the world is coming soon, verse 7, therefore... Therefore, anytime in scripture when you see a therefore, you should wonder what it's there for. You understand? It it always connects what comes before, what comes after. So so he said the end of everything, the end of all things is near. Therefore, three things. Okay, write these down. These are three things. And these aren't hard things. If this is your time limit, if you're trying to focus now on the important things to do, Peter's going to tell you what they are. And these are no secret to you. You know to do these things. What's the first one? The end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. I'll be honest with you. When I was taking this passage apart to to get ready to preach, um, I was kind of disappointed that that's the first thing he mentions, prayer. Uh, remember, I, I'm a doer. You know, I want to, I, I want to barracuda this thing. You understand? I, I, I want to, I want to have something to do. I, I want speed. I want energy. I, I want to figure out how to set this world on fire. You understand? I want that. So if he tells me that the end of the world is here, I want a job to do. I want something big to do. Put me on the news. Understand? Or let me go rescue or, or whatever. I, I, I need to do something. And and actually. It, I'm supposed to do something, and that something is to pray. To pray. Most of us, our problem is in our lives, we, we don't think prayer is actually doing anything. But if you understand that time's running out, first thing you do is drop to your knees. Now, it's actually not just Peter. Turn back to the Gospel of Luke chapter 21 because this is what I found. I found that whenever Jesus talks about the end of the world, and he does, that Jesus himself typically ends the sermon with a call to prayer nearly every time. When Jesus talks about the end of all things, the coming of the kingdom of God, the coming of the Son of Man, the disappearance of heaven and earth, he tends to wrap it up with the call to prayer. Look at Luke chapter 21, and we'll start about verse 34. Let's start there. Jesus has just preached a long and horrible sermon about the end of the world and how things will happen. And notice what he says, verse 34, Luke chapter 21, watch out. Don't let your hearts be dulled by carousing and drunkenness and by the, say the words, worries of this life. Don't let your heart be dulled by the worries of this life. Let that sink in. Don't let that day catch you unaware like a trap. For that day will come upon everyone living on the earth. Keep alert at all times and pray that you may be strong enough to escape these coming horrors and stand before the Son of Man red letters. That, that, that's Jesus talking about the end of the world and at the end of that sermon he says pray. So what should I pray for? If, if, if the motivation for praying here is the end of the world then what do I pray for? Well, notice what Jesus says. Don't let that day catch you unaware like a trap. Keep alert at all times and pray What? Pray that you may be strong enough to escape these coming horrors. According to everything the Bible says, as we get nearer and nearer to the very last day, things are going to go from bad to worse. It's just going to get worse. I know the old people have always told us that, but the Bible is where we get our information, and the Bible makes that clear. It goes from bad to worse. And so part of it is the actual awareness of that and and our own awareness that we're dependent upon the Lord. And if we ourselves are going to be able to endure the horrors, as Jesus says, we're going to need strength from God. Just simply knowing that the day that's coming is going to be horrible before it's beautiful should take us to our knees. Pray for strength, Jesus says. Pray for strength enough to escape these coming horrors and then strength for what? To... Stand before the Son of Man. You understand? If we say the end of all things is near, what we're saying is you're going to be standing before the one who's going to judge you very soon. You're going to be standing before Jesus, and he will judge you, and he has the authority and the wisdom and knowledge to judge you perfectly. You're going to stand before him, and that knowledge in itself ought to make you want to be talking to him now. If he's going to judge me later, then I want to hear from him now what it is that he expects from me, what he wants me to do. I want to know what my life is for. I want to know what he wants me to do with the time I have left. I'm going to stand before him and give an account for every single breath in these lungs and every single second that ticks by. I'm going to stand before him. I don't want to stand before him without having been acquainted with him beforehand. You pray for strength to withstand what's coming, and you also pray for strength to stand before him. Yes, it's true what a friend we have in Jesus, but you will stand before him and be on your face before him because he is awesome and terrible and beautiful all at once. You pray for strength to stand before him. Don't let that day catch you unaware like a trap. For that day will come upon everyone living on the earth. What else do you pray for? I, I pray that God will move and work. When it says that day's going to come like a trap upon everyone living on the earth, we're, we're talking about people I love. So the question is, is there anybody on earth that you love enough to to beg God for their soul, to to, to beg God to move and and draw them to him before it's too late? Is there not anyone on the face of the earth that that you love like that, that you care enough about, that that the knowledge that time runs out and that the, the day will come like a trap upon everyone living, does that not make names and faces start to flash before your eyes? Do you even know who your neighbors are? Do you understand that that day is going to fall like a trap on, on people in your family? The, the knowledge that time runs out, that, that, that is not necessarily comforting news. And this is what the scriptures make clear. When you understand that, that time's running out for everybody, you and I know that it won't catch us like a trap. It won't come upon us like a thief, but most everybody else is going to be destroyed in this. Is there just not anybody in the whole world that that you don't just want to fall on your knees and start begging God for them, for their souls? Because this is what comes next. Back to 1 Peter chapter 4. The end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. See, I, I asked you if, if there's not anybody in the world that you love enough, and honestly, some of you would have to say no. Your heart doesn't break like that. You, you don't look at people and, and wonder if they know the Lord. You, you you don't have any real concern, or at least nothing that doesn't pass quickly. You don't really carry a burden f- for others. And, and, and this is troubling for us. The Scripture says that, that you must... Above all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. Back to what Jesus says in the Gospel of Matthew, when Jesus is talking about the end of the world, the end times, Jesus himself says that in those days, sin will be rampant. And he says, the hearts of people will grow cold. The love of people will grow cold, Matthew chapter 24. Interesting. So as we get closer and closer to that day, as as time runs out, the world's just going to become a less friendly place, a a colder place. There will be less and less genuine love. It begins to feel that way some days, doesn't it? Just not a lot of, of, of actual love. Now, now Peter knows, he understands, he lives in the real world. He says love is important, most important of all, because it does what? It it covers a multitude of sins. So right there, you see, Peter understands what, what loving people really is like, but because it's really hard for you to love me because actually I get on your nerves. And I'm not perfect. It would be so easy to love a perfect person. The problem is we don't know any. And so, anytime you begin to really love somebody, really begin to get your life and heart tangled up with theirs, you're going to be tested in that because it is hard to love people. People are just messy. And if somebody doesn't seem messy or hard to love for you, you just don't know them yet. You just don't know them very well. But this is what Peter says this is why love is so important because true love never gives up, never runs out. You understand? It never fails. In a small city newspaper, this letter was, was run. A grandmother put it in because she thought it was great from her grandson. Listen to this letter. This is from Gary to his grandmother. Dear Grandma Kubashevsky. I had lots of fun at your house. I am sorry I dug up all your plants. I am sorry I used a whole roll of toilet paper. I am sorry I put it in the toilet. I am sorry I tried to flush it down. I am sorry the water went all over your floor. I am sorry I bothered your neighbors. I am sorry I made grandpa mad. I am sorry for putting sand in your rainwater. I am sorry I lost three spoons. Grandma, can I come again for a few weeks in the summer? Your grandson, Gary. Y'all know about grandmas? Pat, what do you think she said? Can he come back? Absolutely. Yeah. That's strange. Yeah. What's wrong with grandma? Uh, And this is like the worst house guest ever. Put a whole roll of toilet paper in the toilet, tried to flush it, flooded the house, Like to drown grandpa, lost three spoons, made the neighbors mad. Can I come back? And grandma says, absolutely. And you're saying, well, yeah, but the whole world ain't going to love you like your grandma. And you were so right. I miss mine. I miss my grandma. Desperately. So where do you go to find love like that? Is there any place on earth where you could find unconditional love? People who just gonna love you even though you nearly flood the house. People who love you even though you're kind of really a handful. Is there any place on earth where that kind of love should be found? Donovan, what do you say? Absolutely. People who care. And where should we find people who care? The body of Christ. Us, you and me. This is why Peter says, don't you understand time is running out? You've got to love like there's no tomorrow because you don't know that there is a tomorrow. You don't have nearly enough time to be trying to fix people. You don't have nearly enough time to be judging people. You've just got just about enough time to get really serious about loving them. So get really serious about loving them. Most important of all, he says, you just love. You just love people. Now again, we started this message with with your saying, I'm not really sure what my gift is. You understand? We haven't even said that yet, but I've given you enough to do, have I not? I mean, this is the point of scripture. You've got enough to do. And you just really need to get busy doing all the things you know to do. And if you never figure out your gift, we can still keep you busy till Jesus comes. You understand? Just praying and loving. But but Peter goes on. Verse 9. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it. Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. I've been telling you, That the Bible doesn't have a comprehensive list of gifts And, and that's why when you start trying to look through the Bible and find the verse that names your gift you may just come up short because the Bible never tries to name every gift I don't know if if it's possible to name every gift there are probably an infinite number of ways for God's grace to be manifest in the life of one of us I don't think if you can make a list. And Peter doesn't try. Notice when he's talking about charismata, he just breaks off into two categories. Two categories. Speaking gifts and then helping gifts. And he doesn't elevate one over the other at all. Remember, we have different jobs, but we all work for God. Speaking gifts. It's easy to lump it into speaking and then helping because a lot of the gifts that we know about in church have to do with people who run their mouth for the Lord. And I'm in that category. God bless all of you. But there are preachers and teachers and, and, and singers and, and prophets and tongue speakers according to scripture, and, and they all fall in this category that there are some of us where, where our charismata is somehow connected to our tongue bone. You understand? And it has to do w- with God putting words or music in our mouths, and then, and then our job is to open our mouths, and somehow the, the word that comes out is meant to help people. And what Peter says if, if that's your gift, if, if that's the way God puts you together, then every time you open your mouth you just make sure you use that gift as if it were God's own words coming out. now I, I can't speak for you but, 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 but that, that's to me. That, that, that's to me. Do you have the gift of speaking? I, I, I guess Y'all know me well, so I don't have to explain it to you. I, I don't feel that. I don't feel that. Of all the things I do in ministry, preaching's the hardest work for me. The pastor I knew in seminary, I, I said, "Brother Ron, tell me about preaching." He said, "Oh, pfft, if I got a scripture and three points, I'm good to go. Really? Because if I got a scripture and three points, I got diarrhea." I mean, I would be a nervous wreck. I mean, if that's all I had, description scripture and three points, I am not good to go. It's, it it just doesn't it doesn't it doesn't feel that way for me. And you got to understand that um, preachers, we don't really do it for compliments. We don't do it for compliments. So all the compliments in the world, it doesn't change. My, my heart before God, I, I do it because of what it says right here. If you're going to open your mouth to speak, you need to do it as though God himself were speaking through you. You just do it like God himself is speaking through you. I like to think of God was speaking, it would come out better than the way it comes out half the time around, around here. But let me just explain it to you. Um, as hard as it is for me and as lousy as I feel like I am at it most days, um, I love it. And it's not about being in front of people and it's not about getting people to listen to me. It's never about that for me. I can't explain it. I just know that, that something about um, even thinking that I'm going to open my mouth and God's going to put a word in it, that just brings me deep joy. And to imagine for a moment that somehow God would give me the word that that you need to hear. That's 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 why I'm alive. That's what I live for. I I just, I I love that. Do you understand? And and I'm not unique. My gift's not more important than your gift. I am just one person with the gift in in a congregation, a body of Christ. And and, and my gift is not one inch taller than yours. Do you understand? I I may have a stage and I may have a microphone, but that doesn't mean I have more status or more importance in, in God's eyes. We're all connected. What's simply important is that everything we do brings glory to God through Jesus Christ. That's what everything is about, he says. And, and if I have just a little bit to play in that, then it probably has to do with, with speaking. But notice he goes right on and says, do you have the, 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 the gift of helping others? Okay, you, you may be thinking, I don't know what my gift is. Well, Peter just made it really, really easy for you. Either it's speaking, is it? okay. You say no, then it's helping others. We've just answered the question you've been struggling with your whole life. It's either speaking or helping others somehow, one or the other. And if you don't feel like a public speaker, if you don't feel like God puts his words in your mouth, then guess what? Your gift is helping others. And what does the scripture say? You have the gift of helping others? Do it. Do it. With all the strength and energy that God supplies, then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Do you have the gift of helping others? Of course you do. Of course you do. Why do you not see that? I don't think the problem is that you don't see yourself well. I just don't think you're seeing others well. To help others, you see a need, and then you meet that need. And what you have to understand is this is why you were born. You see, time's running out. And so there are really only three things that make a lot of difference anymore. It's pray, love, and serve. You need to be serving with all the energy and strength that God gives. In the same way that he may put a word in my mouth, he just might might put some energy in your body. We can't wait to see it move. Oh oh my goodness, it's so difficult difficult to to get church people sometimes motivated to, to work obviously they don't see needs, obviously they don't seem to see each other, because if we could see each other and love each other, and if we were praying with discipline and seriousness, as the scriptures say, we would have no problem serving and helping each other. It would be what our whole lives would be taken over by. So so I I guess the question for us at, at the end of this thing is just simply to ask, why is it that you seem to have so little strength and energy for helping others you have strength and energy for other things I've seen you ladies at the mall man the the same ladies who say that they can't stand up for, for, for more than two hymns because their hips ache man, you see them at the grocery and they're getting it like barracuda I mean, you understand, we seem to have all of the strength and energy that we need to do the things that please ourselves, so so why is it that we seem to have no strength and energy left over to help people? Because time's running out, Peter says, and it becomes all about helping people with the strength and energy that God gives. So so that's, that's my question, where's our strength and energy for helping people, and when is it? that we begin to think that God put us on this earth for any other purpose? You wanted to find some gift maybe that, that would be amazing, that would make you famous? What if your gift is just helping others? Because here's the news, Flash: Everybody's gift is helping others. In however way God puts you together to do that, you're here to help others. Understand? Mary got to the end of that track and had a mouth full of sawdust and an electric rabbit. You're going to get to the end of this thing, some of you, and recognize that what you lived for was never worth living for. What's worth living for? Well, prayer. Honestly. And love and helping people. Do you understand? You have one chance at living life. You have one chance at living life. And you have today. You don't know that you even have tomorrow. Understand that? So what are you doing? Why do you watch so much television? Why do you think so much of yourself? You should be on your knees. You should have a heart breaking for people. You should be doing everything with all you've got to help others. You're waiting for some other revelation of a gift to dawn upon you? To wait for some revelation of a gift. You need to do what you know to do. You pray, you love, and you serve. You pray, and you love, and you serve like there's no tomorrow. Like there's no tomorrow. Pray with me. God, we don't know that there is a tomorrow. We have today. So God, make us serious in our prayers. Make our heart to break for people, to love people, to see people. Help us, Lord, to look less for our own gifts and more for the needs of others and the ways that we can meet needs. Oh God, there is literally a world upon which the last day is going to spring like a trap. And we're all, all going to be up in that, Lord. And we don't know when, we don't know how. We only know, Lord, that that day comes and time runs out. So, Lord Jesus, give us words or give us strength and energy. But, Lord, get us moving that we may pray and love and serve and understand that this is why we're born. This is why we live. Oh, Lord Jesus, may we live in such a way where everything we do brings you glory. We want to glorify you with the days we have left. Lord Jesus, in our lives, in our hearts, be glorified. In our prayers, in our hearts, in our serving. May you receive all the glory. We pray these things in Jesus' name.